Exodus chapter 2, we will be reading verse, starting in Exodus 2, verse 23, and then over to Exodus, and then through Exodus 3 to verse 22. So Exodus 2, 23 to Exodus 3, 22. Um, this is, I think, week four in Exodus out of maybe 13 weeks or so. Um, and I've told you before that we're going to break this series into mini series around uh, various themes. And so the first mini series we called Just As He Said, because the first chapter of Exodus, Moses is emphasizing that God had made things happen just as he said. Uh, these next five weeks, we're going to. Um, these next five weeks, we're going to um, title this mini series down and out, down and out. The two things Moses shows us in this portion of scripture is that the people of Israel, they were down and out. Um, but God, he says, I've come down to bring you out. Um, so these next five weeks, we're going to look at this process of God coming down to bring them out. So Exodus chapter two, starting verse 23, stand with me. We're skipping ahead a little bit from where Lynn left off. So between Lynn's sermon and now, baby Moses was born. He grew up in Pharaoh's house. He killed a guy. He became a fugitive, um, ended up with his father-in-law. And now here's where we pick up. Uh, During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried for help. Their cry from rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob, and God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. I love those four actions. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush wasn't burning. The bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I'll turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Then Moses said, don't, then God said, don't come near, take your sandals off of your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Uh, I, I, I like that because God lets Moses know, hey, you're, you're in the presence of holiness. This is nothing to take too lightly. Um, This is good news to us because God told Moses, you're in the presence of holiness, so don't come too close. Jesus came, died. God said, I'm still holy, but draw near with confidence. So when we read that, that's worth celebrating. We've got it better than Moses had it. And he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. Did you catch that? God repeated those things. And I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I'll send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, 
who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God says, but I'll be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I've sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain that you're standing. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what's his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, tell them that I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations, even on into 2021. So go and gather elders, the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob has appeared to me, saying, I've observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise that I'll bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they will listen to your voice, and you and the elders of Israel will go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. And now, please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I'll stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. And after that, he'll let you go. And I'll give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty. But each woman will ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold and jewelry, for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. And you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. Um, the title I want to put on this is here. He is here. He is father. Thank you for your word. Give us a deeper knowledge of you today. We want to know you. Amen. So Moses as the exodus happens in real time, he's taking mental note of what's going on and what God's doing and how God's revealing himself. And so what we have now in the book of Exodus is Moses's retelling of all of the events. And the reason he's telling the people the story of what happened to them is for two reasons. He's one showing them this is who God is to you and this is who we are as his covenant people. So what I want to do when we walk through this is I want to try as best we can to sit in the seat of these Hebrew people, hearing the story of how God brought us out and asking this one question from Moses. Who is this God that you're telling us about? Who is this God that you're telling us about? Um, Moses is going to answer that question four ways. Uh, the first answer to that question we'll find in the last three verses of chapter two. And Moses would say, well, he's in the know. He's in the know. Uh, you remember when, um, or maybe you've heard Louis, Ar- Louis Armstrong sing that old song where he says, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows my sorrow. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody, here it is, but Jesus. 
That That's the, the tune that Moses is trying to get to resonate in your heart in these last three verses of chapter two. He's saying, look, people, I know you might feel like no one knows your trouble, but God does. God knows your trouble. We pick up with the people of uh, Israel and Egypt and they they've now been generations in this in this affliction that they've been in for generations. They've been building the empire on their own back for in- generations. They've been building Egypt up with their own hands for generations. They've been in the fields getting hit across the back with the whip. They've been in the city building buildings and houses for the people. This has been going on for generations. And the old administration that had initially started pressing down on them has died out and a new administration has come in. But that hope for change has quickly dissipated as it turns out that this pharaoh is just as bad as the work, the previous pharaoh, if not even worse. How much worse? He, he, he issued a mandate that commanded all Egyptian citizens to set up shop, wait for Hebrew baby boys to be born and knock off, kill every single one that came about. Do you imagine being a Hebrew mother or father? Not knowing if your son was going to live the next day? Could you imagine what it's like being a whole people group and, and your humanity has been ripped away by the people in charge? This is where the people find themselves. And Moses says they get to the point so they have no more words to articulate their pain. So they they groan. They just, ah! He says these people, they can't talk anymore. So now they're just walking around crying for help, yelling, somebody help! And Moses says the cries of these down and out people have made it up into the heavens, into the ears of God. Moses says that God hears them. Moses says that that God sees what's going on. Moses says that God knows well, what Moses is showing us in these uh, last three verses of chapter two is that God is attentive to the state of the people. God is aware of the state of the people. God knows the state of his people. Is there anyone who would say with me that I found myself at times groaning at what's going on in my life? Is there anyone who, like me, has said, I found myself at times groaning, looking out and seeing what's going on into the world? Listen to me. If you found yourself groaning, God is not distant. He is not negligent. He knows. But I think that's better news than we think it is, because God doesn't know the same way that people know. Um, um, I'll tell on myself here. So two of my best friends, Brock and Christian, they, they're part of our church. We've known each other since like 2013. Um, when Brock and I first started our friendship, this is how our friendship started. What I thought was a friendship. It wasn't a friendship from his side. Um, so this is how our relationship started. Uh, uh, I'm sitting in Brock's dorm room on Brock's bed. Guy, I don't know, scrolling on my phone. Brock looks over and starts pouring his heart out to me about this struggle that he has and something hard going out on his life. And you know what I do sitting on his bed? It's like, man, that's rough. You ought to fix that and then go on with my life. That's not how God knows. God knows better than that. Uh, Let's get a picture of God's knowledge. Travel with me, if you will, to 5702 West Gore Street, Lawton, Oklahoma, Eisenhower Junior High School, Mrs. Fisher's uh, seventh grade science class. Uh, We had a substitute that day. And so me and my homeboys, we went wild. 
while while that real like Mrs. Fisher's gone, she doesn't know what's going on. So we're like walking around, throwing stuff, passing notes, got our phones, rapping to music while she's talking. We are acting a fool because Miss Fisher don't know. Then we walk into class the next day, and on the whiteboard she has written Jordan, Lewis, Marty, Jerron. They're like, wait, ain't that? That's the four of us who was acting a fool. We're not just scared because Miss Fisher knows. No, no. On top of that, above our name, she has the word in-house, a.k.a. in-school detention. Not only did she know about us acting a fool, she put us in detention because she knew about us acting a fool. Miss, Miss Fisher, she didn't just know and stop there. She did something about what she knew. This is how God works. When God knows, he doesn't just stop at knowledge. God, if he knows about it, he does something about it. Jerron, prove it. Look back down at your Bibles. Verse 24, it says God heard the cries of the people of Israel. That word heard is the Hebrew word Shema. Shema means hear, understand, and respond. It means I'm hearing and coming to an understanding of knowledge and doing something about that knowledge I've gained. So listen to me. God doesn't know and is a bystander. God knows and he does something about it. He he knows about the orphans and he says, I'm a father to the fatherless. He knows about the lonely and says, I bring the lonely into families. He knows about how people have been wronged and he says, vengeance is mine. God knows about it and he does something about it. He knows. But look real close at that text. Someone pointed out to me this week that the people didn't directly cry out to God. Moses just said the people cried out for help and God heard. All of the scripture is clear that God hears us when we cry out to him. This scripture seems to suggest that God also hears us when we just cry. Because there are times where I find myself in my car or at home and life is getting on me and I don't have words to articulate. And I'm just like, ah, ah, and God hears that, too. God hears you when you cry, friend. God hears you when you groan, friend. God hears you when you when you when you sigh in the pit of who you are, friend. God hears you. Uh, Tim reminded me of the song earlier. I love the Lord. Why? You heard my cry. He knows. Pitied every groan. What's the next line? Long as I live, I'll hasten to his throne. Well, in there, he knows. So this is the first thing Moses would say. Moses, who is this God? Well, he's in the know. And not only is he in the know, remember I said he does something about it. So the obvious question is, Moses, what is it that he does about it? And this is the second thing that Moses would say. Moses would say that he delivers in partnership with his people. He is delivering in partnership with his people. So God decided, okay, I'm going to do something about it. So he traveled over to this place called Midian and made his way down on this mountain called Horeb. And and he chose Horeb on purpose because he wanted to catch Moses's attention. So what he did was he started to burn a bush, but the bush didn't burn up. And so Moses, with his father-in-law's sheep, is walking and sees this bush burning but not burning up and walks over to it and then starts a conversation with the bush. Now, some of you might think I can relate to Moses because I've burned bush before and started hearing voices. 
But the difference between you and Moses is this was God talking. Some of you are going to catch it. This is God talking and, and God is bringing him into, into, into his mission, if you will. God, God says, Moses, one, don't come too close. You're on holy ground. Two, I know the state of the people and I've come down to deliver them. Three, come on now. I'm taking you with me. You see the tension between verses seven, eight, nine, and then 10? Seven, eight, nine, God spends three verses saying, I know, and I'm going to do this. Verse 10, God says, now, come on, I'm sending you in there to do it. You take those two statements together. I think the truth that comes out is that God wanted to work with Moses. Not only did God want to work with Moses, but on top of that, Moses says, I can't do this. And God says, but I'll be with you. Stuart Douglas says God being with you is his guarantee of his presence, his guidance and his empowerment. So not only did God want to work with Moses, God worked through Moses. Moses, who is this God you're trying to tell us about? Well, he partners with his people. This is this is the historical habit of God. Look in the Old Testament. The book of Judges has one pattern. The people sin. They get themselves into bondage. God raises up Deborah and partners with her to release them. The people sin. They get themselves into bondage. God raises up Samson and partners with him to deliver them. The people sin. They're in bondage. God raises up someone else and partners with them to deliver them. God partners with people. Move over to your New Testament. Deliverance in the New Testament is 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 the label people give to salvation. When we believe in Jesus, we go from a kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. How do people believe through the gospel? Who did God ask to preach the gospel? His people. God partners with people in deliverance. I'm trying to show you that how God goes to work when he clocks in. He's God all by himself to create worlds with his own two hands. But he showed us throughout history that when he goes to work, he likes to use tools. He likes to pick up tools of all different shapes, all different backgrounds, all different abilities, all different personalities, all different giftings. And he likes to use them in the work that he does. God's looking at you and he's saying, I want to put my hand on you and I want to use you to do my work. But remember, friends, The power of this partnership is in the hand of God, not in the humans he has his hand on. One of my favorite preachers, Kenneth Omer, he likes to say it all depends on whose hands it's in. He'd say that a golf club in my hand can get you 15 straight swings and a miss. Golf club in Tiger Woods hands can get you a whole lot of money in championships. Uh, a hammer in my hand, you come to my house today, I'll prove it that a hammer in my hand can get you a six inch radius hole in the middle of one of my walls. But, but, but a hammer in Tim, the tool man's hand can get you a real nice, uh, uh, bench or something like that. Uh, y'all have heard me sing a microphone in my hand can get some bad comments about my singing ability, but a hammer in Whitney Houston's hands can get you fame. And I know you might think like you're not much. You might not be. I know you might uh, think you can't do much. 
you might not be able to, but it doesn't depend on you being in your own hands. It depends on God's hands. It depends on God getting a hold of you and God working through you and God empowering you. And when God gets his hands on his people, he can free nations. He can split seas. He can, he can take the gospel from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. When God has his hands on his people, he can accomplish everything he set himself out to do. This is why we go to work in the world. If you're wondering why are Christians always in their communities working, it's not because we think we're saviors. It's not because we think we're all that. It's not because we think we have special ability. It's because we believe and we're convicted that God has called us and empowered us to work through us and accomplish his purposes. We're out in the community because God wants to preach the gospel through us. We're out in the community because God wants to be good news to the poor through us. We're out in the community because God wants us to bring in children through us. This is why we work, because God wants to work through us. He partners with his people. But then Moses, he gives us a little bit more detail. He gives us detail about what this deliverance looks like. Moses, who is this God? He'd say that he is freeing you to serve him. He is freeing people into serving him. This week I was thinking of of, of a picture of what God's deliverance process looked like. And then it instantly came to me that the adult life might look like God's deliverance process. Uh, When I was in high school, I thought, when I get out of school, I'm going to be free to do nothing. I'm just going to do a bunch of nothing and whatever I want. And if I do anything, no strings attached. And then I graduated high school. And I learned that I was freed from high school so I can go into college. And then I thought, when I get out of college, I'm doing nothing. And then I graduated college and learned that I was freed from college to go to work and get married. And then I thought, all right, now I'm doing nothing. And now I've learned that when I am freed from certain work, it's just to do more work. I graduate uh, with my master's in a year and I'm like, oh, I'm just being freed up from that to do something else. The adult life is being freed up from one work to go into another work. This is what God's deliverance process looks like. He frees you from one work to go into another work. What's that work? He tells Moses, this is the sign that I I would have worked through. I have worked through you. Uh, You and the people are going to come serve me on this mountain. I'm going to bring you out of slavery and you're going to serve me on this mountain. Look at where the freedom process ended. The freedom process didn't end in just coming out of slavery. The freedom process ended in going into service to God. They weren't free just because they came out of slavery. They were free once they got into serving. Freedom looks like serving God. Listen to me, friends. We've made a big deal out of freedom over the past year, two years. Hear me clear. If your freedom does not end in serving God, you're in slavery. I'm free to do whatever I want. I'm free to do this. I'm free to do that. I'm free not to do this. If you're not serving God, you're not free. You're a slave. I don't care what a document in D.C. says. Some of you are going to graduate soon. Get out of your parents' house. Be free to do whatever you want without your parents saying uh, what you got to do. Listen to me, friends. If that freedom doesn't end in serving God, you're in slavery. Some of us have been fighting off sins, trying to shake off bad habits. I I pray that you do fight off sin. But if you stopping that bad habit doesn't also transition into you serving God more, that might be another form of bondage. Freedom looks like service. 
This is what Paul's getting at in Galatians when he says, for freedom, Christ has set you free. Only don't use your freedom to serve yourself, but in love, serve one another, which is serving God. Freedom looks like service. Moses, who, who is this God? Moses would say, well, first he's in the know, and when he knows about it, he does something about it, and Actually, what he does about it is he delivers people in partnership with this people. And that deliverance isn't just deliverance sake. It's to bring you into service of him. Then Moses, he ends out this text by by showing us the one thing that I believe God says. I want you in Joplin in 2021 to know about me. What is that, Moses? Who is this God? Well, he is. That's what he wants you to know about him. Who is this God? He is. So Moses, he says, all right, so we live in a polytheistic society. There's a whole bunch of gods everywhere. These people have probably been mingled in with that, and they they know some of these gods, and it's been a couple centuries, so they don't remember you no more probably. So so when I tell them that God has sent me, which one do I tell them? What's your name? And Moses pulls out his pen and paper, and God says, I am. Moses writes that on, I am. God says, what I am, and Moses says, what I am. Where's the rest? (laughs) Moses says, God says, no, tell him I am sent you. Uh, That word, I am, let's work together. Let's work together. Let's try to get this. That word, I am, it's the verb to be or to exist. So it's the verb be. So, So Moses asked for a name. God responded with the verb be. God used it in the first person, so I be, and stuck it in the present tense. So it's always I be. When people use that word to talk to God, it's in the third person, always in the present tense. He is. So what's the verb from God's perspective? I am or I be from our perspective. He is. He be. He exists. Uh, this communicates his eternal and perpetual existence among his people. Way back then, he is. Today, he is. Tomorrow and in the by and by, he is. I cannot stress this enough, friend. God eternally and perpetually exists with his people. I don't know where you find yourself. I don't know where we find ourselves. But I can tell you right now, right here, he is. But then later, God gave us a name that he didn't give Moses. Moses died. Wait, back up. I don't want to go that far yet. Let's keep running through the Old Testament really quick. The, the, the authors of the Old Testament built on this foundation that Moses gave them with the divine name. Um, the, word, the, the word in your Bible, Lord in all caps, that's the Hebrew word Yahweh, which is he is. So when you see all caps Lord, that's he is or Yahweh. Throughout the Old Testament, people have added descriptive statements and attached them to the name Yahweh. So instead of just saying he is, they'd say he is fill in a blank. So I know that he eternally exists, but let me show you how he is when he is eternally with us. Some of them say Yahweh Nisi, Yahweh's my banner or my victory. Some of them say Yahweh Shalom, he is my peace. Some of them say Yahweh Jireh, he is my provider. Some of them say Yahweh Ra'ah, he is my shepherd. He is good things to his people. And you might not have a Hebrew word for it, but I know there are at least 15 of us who've said, I've come to know he is and I've 
I've come to know how good he is. I've come to know that he is my comfort and he is my joy and he is my peace and he is my sanity and he is my provider and he is my defender and he is so good to me. He is. Moses says, what's your name? And he says, I be. I'm just going to give you a verb. I be bad grammar, great theology. I be. But you fast forward a couple thousand years and he gave us a name. Uh, John says the word became flesh. He is became flesh. And he started walking around and just saying, I be. I am. Taking on the divine name. Uh, I, I am. He is. Yahweh came, came and dwelt among us. Uh, Yahweh came and, 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 and heard the groans of the people up close and personal. Yahweh came and fully knew what it was to be a human in this broken world. Yahweh, who told Moses, I'm sending you to deliver the people, came and did it by himself, walked onto a cross. Yahweh died to deliver us from death and give us life. Yahweh didn't stay dead. He got back up and he forever and eternally is. And Paul says now at the net name, every Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. What's that name? His name is Jesus. Jesus is our God. Jesus is with us. Jesus delivers us. Jesus frees us. Jesus has come down to deliver us, church. He is. There are two quick things I want to tell you about him. One, if you want to experience his deliverance, you believe in him first. Believe that that death was a sacrificial death and that he lives and he's the king forever. The second thing, he offers that deliverance still in partnership with his people. He still partners with his church to extend deliverance to people. So listen to me. Isolation is the cap on deliverance. Isolation is the cap on freedom. When you're isolated from the church of Jesus Christ, you're probably blinded and don't see the bondage you're in. And when you're isolated, no one's there to point out that bondage to you. When you're isolated, no one's there to pray for you like the scripture says. When you're isolated, no one's there to walk through it with you. Isolation is the cap on freedom. And when we isolate others, we're not there to lovingly point that bondage out. We're not there to pray with them and fight with them. So what I'm saying, I'm saying seek Christ's freedom by engaging with Christ's community. For some of us, that means we need to start getting around the church, getting around the people. I don't mean this building. I mean getting around the people. Some of us, we've been trying to fight sin way too long by ourselves in isolation. We've been trying to shake stuff off in isolation and secrecy for way too long. Listen to me, friend. He can do it. He will not do it in isolation. He wants you around his people. He says, pray for one another that you may be healed. So what I'm saying, I'm saying get around his people. Open up to his people, confess to his people, ask for prayer from his people, stick around his people, keep yourself open to hard conversations with his people, engage with his people. And for the rest of us, I'm saying, let's open up our arms. We don't just wait for people to come to us. No, we go get them. We go to them. We drag them and we bring them in and we ask them questions and we pray with them and we check on them and we're patient with them and we don't give up on them. And we and we fight with them through this because we know that he's working with us and through us. That's when we'll see a whole lot of freedom. So Moses, who is this God? Well, he's he he's knowing 
and he does something about it and he's delivering people in partnership with his people and, he, and he's bringing us into freedom, which is serving him. And he came down and did it. 